Today on Stick to Football, Mello, Connor, me, your favorite Matt in the whole world, we are back together, boys, and we are breaking down some college football less than a month away. So today you get your SEC East and West preview. There's some pretty good football being played down there. There's a whole lot of football being played down there, so it's probably going to be a longer-than-usual podcast, but I think you'll enjoy it because we are going to give you a lot of information. Yeah, as we do every summer, we'll tell you who you want to be watching, offense, defense, scouting, bringing back hashtag defense for Heisman. Oh, baby. All three of us are getting in on the action this year, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to college, there is a lot going on in the NFL right now. Training camps are open. All of the training camps are open, and a lot of people are already hurt. Not great, but before that, somebody who didn't even have the chance to get hurt because he showed up clearly out of shape. Robert Kandichi cut already by Arizona. Whoa. I mean, that did not last long. And I think anybody that scouted this guy, yes, the talent was always there, but holy red flags throughout his college career. It's almost like his career really fell off. Oh, oh. Like out a hotel oh. window. <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say. Um, I remember the hype for Kim DJ because that was right around the time that BR was doing a lot of high school recruiting stuff. Connor, you worked on it as well. And I just remember it was like every time I uh, opened our app or looked at the website, it was about Kim DJ as this stud five-star player, and he goes to Ole Miss. I never saw this dude get better. So when he was even drafted in the first round, it was like, God, you, yeah, you want to bet on the athleticism a little bit, but he just did not improve at all. And by all accounts, was just not a very mature player didn't have a great work ethic and I think we're seeing that here guys I don't know if you've seen Steve Kimes draft picks that he's had in the first round Ugh, I was not good say, this is another example of I think being a five-star high school recruit carrying over into your NFL draft stock and we've talked to listeners they've asked the questions before and we kind of warn against it you have to scout what you see once they get to college and like you said with Steve Kime and his history of first round draft misses Things are looking a little rough there in Arizona. Hopefully they can get things turned around with, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. But what they've done in the past is not looking good. Yeah, it does speak to just bad first round drafting. And I think Kime should be very feel very fortunate that he had the opportunity to not only get yet another head coach in there, get yet another quarterback in there in the top 10 picks, this time number one overall. And at the end of the day, these are the ones you have to hit on. And I know we say this all the time on this show, but If we don't love a player like a lot of other people do, and it's pretty evident on film that he has talent, then you know there's character issues. And with Kim Dietschy, they were across the board. I mean, whether it was off the field, whether it was work ethic on the field, there was so many problems with this player, and, and clearly he was just not ready for the NFL, and I don't really care where he goes. I don't really see anything changing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say I don't either. Back to Steve Kime. We have not seen a lot of front office turnover in the NFL. I, I mean, the Texans and the Jets kind of made surprise moves after the draft, but uh, there hasn't been. It's mostly been coach turnover. And I, I know there are people in the NFL that feel like that's a good thing, that maybe there's going to be continuity and you're going to have an opportunity to make some mistakes. Listen to these first-round picks by Steve Kime. Jonathan Cooper, who was the number 7 overall pick in 2013. Dale Buchanan. DJ Humphreys, Robert Kimbiche, Hassan Reddick, and Josh Rosen. Of those players, DJ Humphreys, when healthy, isn't bad. I give him credit. He's not bad. Hassan Reddick, I thought I said he'd be my breakout player for the Cardinals this year, but that is not good first-round drafting. And you can say, oh, he found these guys in the fifth round or sixth round. That's cool. you got to hit your first-round picks if you're going to be a good general manager. 
Yeah, especially when you've been there so long. Eventually, like you think that you would get some talent in there, but it's just not working out. And I feel bad for the Cardinals because I do like that organization. I like that fan base, and I think they deserve better. I mean, it's yeah, I do think they'll turn things around here. I don't know if it'll be with Kime, but I have like some weird optimism with Kyler Murray and Cliff working together, considering how many question marks there were with that team. The defense has been completely rehauled, so it's going to be a young unit that, you know, there's a lot of growing pains, but at least it seems like, it kind of seems like they have things going in the right direction. It just took a really, really kind of long time to completely flip the script, and hopefully they hit on that first-round pick this year. Yeah, I I think we're all hoping. So we got a couple injuries to talk about. RG3, uh, who is a backup, but still notable, uh, gets hurt, uh, hurts a finger. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. I think the big one is AJ Green gets bit by the turf monster. He's going to be out multiple weeks with a foot injury. Uh, He's going to most likely miss week one. And I don't even know who to be pissed at, if it's the Bengals, if it's the NFL, but they basically make them go to the University of Dayton and practice on this welcome to 100 field. You know, it's the 100th season of the NFL. And Bengals people have been talking about how, like, hey, this field, is the condition is not ideal. It's not good. The players were complaining about it. A.J. Green gets hurt. This is kind of what you get. I mean, it looks like it's going to be like six to eight weeks by the time that he gets back, and that's just terrible for a guy that I think has some of the most talent in the NFL when it comes to receiver position. I know that he came in with a guy like Julio Jones, but those two, uh, if you put them in different situations, I think we see A.J. Green be very successful. He's already done it before, but then the injuries happen to play with Andy Dalton. I really feel bad for A.J. Green because he is one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. I do too, and I think this what really sucks about this, somebody that's going to be turning 31 years old this week, the injuries are starting to pile up. And I know the practice field concerns with this, But it's starting to feel like A.J. Green has some lower body injuries either lingering or reoccurring. And when you get on the wrong side of 30 as an explosive skill player, when those things keep reoccurring, it's scary. And listen, I'm not rooting against the Bengals this year, but without this guy and now already some concern of of losing two guys on the offensive line, obviously one to injury, one to retirement. You have to be wondering, is this just going to be a year where they potentially bottom out? Yeah, this might be. And I know, you know, there and were, that's okay. It is. You kind of have to to get better. But, the, you know, there have been talk about maybe they trade him. They do have Tyler Boyd, who looked very promising last year. But a lot of guys are going to have to step up now. John Ross. John Ross is going to have to get it done. He was another guy that was a very high pick that we have not seen do really much of anything at all. Besides around the 40, I think he's going to have to do it this year. Yeah, God, I I Googled, you said John Ross, and I was like, God, does he still play for them? But he does. does. It's crazy. But he's, guess what? He's hurt again, too. He's on the team. Yeah, but that's just another example of a guy that, what was he, the ninth, tenth overall pick and hasn't performed for the Bengals? You're in that 4-2-2, though. Yeah, way to go there. Allegedly. I still don't believe it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but... Uh, there was a, a clip that our buddy BJ Kissel at Chiefs Reporter tweeted out. And you know how they have like the nets set up and the quarterbacks throw the balls through them? You know, it's like different heights, different distances. Well, Pat Mahomes goes out there and throws left handed and is nailing them. So um, I actually, uh, I'll humble brag or name drop a little bit here. I text Pat, was like, hey, I could barely drive left handed. Like that shit's not fair. And he was like, dude, I almost hit the crossbar from 35 yards out left handed. Yeah, is that I- not like the. Cr- craziest thing you've ever heard good luck defenses because now homie can roll left too (laughs) you got to be prepared for it from all angles i saw him doing some behind the back shit too but the thing i was most excited about is 
they tweeted out a little clip and it looked like they were running some kind of option, uh, whether it be from like a motion out of the jet or whatever with Mahomes and McCole Hardman. Oh, I don't think that's a situation where Mahomes, you're going to see him running 20 yards down the field. Andy Reid should not let that happen. But I do like the creativeness that they're already getting involved with Mahomes and Hardman. Well, Miko can't catch. You got to give him the ball some other way. <laughs> he can throw it, though. Like, that's another I'm more weapon. concerned about him holding the ball. <laughs> that's my biggest thing with Miko once he does catch it. But yeah, that was crazy. I also love, like, I feel like Pat has a little bit of a different swag going into camp this year. Oh, Did you does. guys notice yeah. that? It's yes. crazy. So, I mean, that was just ridiculous. The physical talent, that the stuff he could do is just beyond rare. That's what it is to me. It's like, and I hope I'm not just being like a fanboy because like he listens to the podcast and like we're all buddies, but like that he's not natural. Like some of the stuff he's able to do. Well, he's all natural. It's just well, I mean, not it's normal. Just, it's <laughs> it's unfair how athletic he is. It is, and as a longtime Chiefs fan, I mean, we've been waiting for this for, I mean, since. Alex Smith was there, at least. So it's been a long time coming. I'm glad that we finally have a quarterback in Kansas City. Fellas, I'm very excited to break down college football as we get into the month of August here very shortly. Uh, It's going to be so much fun. Uh, As, you know, the last eight shows we spent, or nine shows we spent on the NFL, we're going to do the same with college football, starting with the SEC East. I believe there's an SEC bias on this show, but the SEC is just good at football. I don't like, I think the Big Ten's great. I think the Big 12's soft. The yeah, Pac-12 is kind offenses. of meh, whatever, but like, I mean, the SEC is a scouting dream. I, yeah, that's why. I mean, you talk about there being a bias. I do think that sometimes larger networks like ESPN, maybe they go a little heavy on the SEC. They bring in a guy like Feinbaum. I don't know if you can call it biased when, I mean, I think they're far and away the best conference. I'm not a fan of any team in this conference. I picked Clemson to win the national title. But what they do in the SEC is just special when you look at it from top to bottom in that conference. I mean, I just think when you go through the talent pool that we have every year, I'll say this too, it almost makes it easy for us. Like, you know, the backups from Alabama are going to be great starters the next year. The LSU DBs. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's a fun group to watch because, you know, so many of them are going to be in the NFL. I think it's a super high, highly competitive level of football. As good as Alabama has been, the entire conference as a whole has great matchups throughout the entire season. It really does. And because we don't have 122 shows between now and the college football season, uh, even though it might feel like we do, uh, we're going to just kind of go over each uh, division inside the SEC Give you the winners, the conference overall winners, some some sleepers, some teams to watch, some overrated teams, yada, yada, yada. So let's start with the East winners. I'm going to take the Georgia Bulldogs. Even with what they lost going to the NFL, this group is still incredible, led by Jake Fromm. You have DeAndre Swift, who I think we're going to see a phenomenal year from out of the backfield. You have a good offensive line, really led by Walker Little. Uh, at left, or not Walker Little, why did I just Andrew go Brandon? Andrew Thomas, I'm thinking of Walker Little from Stanford. Andrew Thomas uh, at left tackle. It's just a really good team top to bottom. And they actually bring back a decent amount on defense. So I, I think when you look at Georgia, yes, they lost DeAndre Baker, but like this team is just so good. And they're so well coached with Kirby Smart there as head coach. They went 11-3 and last year. They won the East. I think they do the same this year. And I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Georgia. Even though those guys down there in Florida, uh, I know we have a lot of Gators fans that listen. I think that Florida's very close. I just don't know that they're ready to compete with with Georgia yet for the conference title. I think that's going to be a very good game this year. But I do have Georgia going in. You have Fromm. You have Swift. I like Zamir White, the running back, who I even tried to highlight last year, but he tore his ACL. He's, I think, going to be that number two running back for Georgia this year. And 
Usually that number two running back at Georgia is still pretty damn productive. The offensive line is great, so you know that the offense is going to be good. They always replace on defense. They do enough with the defense. I think the secondary looks very strong when you highlight those two safeties that they have. They bring in one of the number one recruits, an edge rusher. This is a very good team top to bottom, so I think they do walk away with the East this year. You're not getting a disagreement from me here. It's Georgia all the way. I'll be surprised if it's not. I, I think this team has the experience Right now, going into this season, you talk about players that were really stars as sophomores. I know people are lukewarm, maybe on Fromm as a pro, but at the end of the day, the things he could do at the college level to win you football games is very impressive. I'm with you guys. Swift is the best running back in the country right now. He truly is special. They always plug and play, and I think they have the best offensive linemen, too, uh, in the country as well, as Matt said, and Thomas. So uh, the defense will be interesting because they got to replace a lot of starters, but you look at LeCount on the back end. Yes, he's a smaller guy, but I think he's got some range at safety. So I I really like this group. I really like this team, and I just think they have the right kind of veteran presence and also young ascending talent to not go anywhere on the East. And guys, in the West, I, I, you have to talk about Alabama. And I know LSU is uh, a sneaky good team. We all love LSU. A&M is going to be better this year with Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Mond there in another year. But it is Alabama. I love this stat. They've won 17 straight season openers and 44 consecutive non-conference games. They're not going to lose week one. We know that's for sure. They play Duke. They're going to kill Duke. It's going to be embarrassing. But this team could roll through an undefeated season. I really do. I know November 30th at Auburn is going to be a tough one. We are going to be there November 9th for the LSU game in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be amazing, but just think about what Bama brings back. Even they lost so much to the NFL, but they bring back Tua, who should have been the Heisman Trophy winner last year. I don't care what anyone says. They bring back a ton. (laughs) (laughs) Even my eyebrows went up on that one. I still think Tua should have won the Heisman. They bring back Najee Harris who we can't forget about in the backfield. Going into last year, no one knew who Josh Jacobs was, outside of like I people mean, who call into Paul Feinbaum. So like eight games into the season, he really wasn't even getting consistent catches. That's just what they do at running right. back. So then Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, you got Waddle. Uh, they're, they're just stacked everywhere. Alex Leatherwood at left tackle is going to be a beast. And the defense, oh my baby Jesus, if Anthony Jennings and Terrell <laughs> Lewis are healthy, this defense is going to be lights out good, even with Quinn and Williams gone, because Raquan Davis was like, no, nah, I'll go back to school. That shit shouldn't happen. Oh, and they have Patrick Sertan. They have Trevin Diggs. They have Xavier McKinney. If they don't go undefeated, this is a disappointing year for Nick Saban. I think any year with Nick Saban is a disappointment if they don't go undefeated. Yeah, I think it's it's national title or bust for him, and that's why I agree. Just what they have coming back, Tua looks like one of the best. No, I won't say looks like. He's the best quarterback Nick Saban has ever had. And then this receiver group is really special, which is why we've talked about before. It's really hard for me to scout these positions because I don't know if Jerry Judy is just extremely good or if Tua's extremely good, or maybe it's just both of them are extremely good. But this offense is probably going to put up 45 to 50 points a game. If you're telling me this defense can't hold can, can the I stop SEC. You? Imagine saying that about an Alabama team. They're yeah. going to put 45-50. And that they did it last year. So it's, it's not even, it's not crazy to think about how many points they're going to put up with bringing these guys back for another year. You mentioned Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. A lot of people are really excited about him. Obviously, Najee Harris is a guy we've heard about for a long time. He just hasn't had his chance to start yet. And then the defense, you know, it's always going to be good. Patrick Sertan is one of my favorite defensive players in all of college football. Only a sophomore at corner, but he looks special. Then what they can do at linebacker and defensive line. 
Uh, they will be undefeated going into that LSU game. And I even think that they're going to walk away from that undefeated. They don't get their true test until probably the college football playoff. And for the fans of other SEC teams, I promise we're going to talk about that too. <laughs> but this is the this is the Alabama show in the West right here. I mean, good mother of God. You look at that wide receiver trio they have there. I'm a big believer in Najee Harris. I think he's just as talented as anyone they've had at running back in the last couple of years. I love Tua. Tua is my favorite quarterback in this class right now. I just think he needs to prove he could stay healthy. That's the most important thing with Tua and that frame and the hits he takes. I mean, they have a good they have a good everything. We could sit here and go through the entire roster. I don't see Alabama losing in the West. We're going to talk about them nonstop because, like they do every year, they have prospects across the board. And I think it's really just that simple. Now you talk about the conference winner. I know you know a lot of the obvious choice would be Alabama. My brain says Alabama. My heart says Georgia. I just think there's something special about this Georgia team this year, whether it is the leadership they have, whether it is having possibly the best impact player. And I know Matt will say Jerry Judy here, but the best impact player uh, on offense in the conference and DeAndre Swift, I just feel really good about this Georgia team. If I, you know, if I have to pick, I think they could steal this conference. I really do. I think it'll be like last year where it's it's going to be close. It's going to be a really, really good conference championship game. But I'm excited about what this Georgia team can bring to the table this year. Yeah, I like both of these teams a lot. And I would not be surprised at all if we see them play twice in 2019. I I really think that they could both easily make it to the SEC championship. I think Alabama is going to win the SEC. But I do think that it is a very good possibility that we see them play each other again in the college football playoff. We've seen it before, and I think that both of these teams are good enough that even if Georgia doesn't win the SEC, they can get into the college football playoff or even look at in Alabama. If they do get upset by Georgia, I think that you're definitely going to see them in the college football playoff. So two two of the top teams in the nation right here in the SEC, which is every year from now on, I think. Well, and here's my take. Georgia headed into the SEC championship game will presumably be a little better battle tested. They have to play Notre Dame. They have to play Florida. They have to play Missouri. They have to play Auburn, A&M. They also have Georgia Tech to end the year. I think Georgia Tech is, they're going to be a much better team with a a new coach. And like, okay, we're not stopping the triple option anymore. Okay, we might actually have to be balanced here to stop this team. So I think, I think Georgia will be more battle tested, but man, I don't see anybody slowing down this offense if Tua can stay healthy. That's the key for this season. Um, We saw last year. I mean, the conference championship game last year, Tua was unstoppably good. But then you you roll into the college football playoffs, tears apart Oklahoma. Then the next week, I mean, he almost just looks like he can't do anything at all. So I think his health is the key. Teams on the come up. I like this, Mello. I'm going with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, I really believe in what they're doing there with the coaching staff. I believe in what Joe Moorhead can do offensively. Kylan Hill hopefully will be healthy this this whole year. Um, the schedule is tough because it's the SEC, but I like this team. They started out very well last year before going 8-5. and five. That conference play just really got them, but they returned seven starters on offense, only four on defense. Obviously, they're losing guys like Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, Jamal Peters. Uh, there's a lot of talent that they lost on defense, but Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. This guy knows what he's doing. He can recruit well. He can coach well. So I think they're really a team to watch. I like them, too. And they get Tommy Stevens from Penn State, too. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Who's familiar with that Joe Moorhead offense. He is pretty much Nick Fitzgerald. I think that he might be able to throw the ball a little bit better, too. My team, though, I'm going to go local here. Even though I'm not a fan of these guys, 
I really like what they're doing in Columbia, Missouri. Bringing in Kelly Bryant, I think this is going to be a very new look Missouri Tigers team. It's not going to be the five wide aired out from the Drew Locke days or the Chase Daniel days. I think it's going to look more like an Ohio State offense or maybe even a little bit of Clemson and what they were doing down there. They've got a very good offensive line this year. They're returning three very good players with Durant, uh, Castillo, and even Sims, who have already been SEC honors guys. I also really like their running back and Larry Roundtree. Yeah, Albert O at tight end looks like one of the top tight ends in the oh, entire Albie nation. O, yep. Yep. So I, I really think that this is a team on the come up. And they even stole a quarterback from TCU, Robinson, who won't play this year, but he's going to eventually. And he looked pretty damn good during that time at TCU. So coming in, playing with this team, getting used to that offense, playing behind Kelly Bryant. I really like what Mizzou is doing. And I think that they're going to start to build something that is an actual contender in the SEC before too long. I mean, you guys know. I just got back from Florida and I got a little bit of that Gator fever right now. So I'm going with the Gators here. I I, I always, my one problem with Florida and I know he's gotten better. I just don't really believe in Felipe Franks. Thank you. Yeah. We were talking about that today. Thank you. Okay, good. I look at this team and I'm like, wow, I like their wide receivers like Van Mm -hmm. Jefferson there. I think they have some pieces on an offensive line that needed some work. They have a couple of good running backs, not just P Ryan. So you look at this offense and you're like, well, everything should work, but I just don't like this quarterback. Now, if if he struggles in the beginning, I, I'm curious to see what Emory Jones has because he was a really, really exciting recruit. Then you go to the defense. Uh, you know, Melo, I know you love C.J. Henderson. He could be a star corner this year. You look at the defensive line, and once again, it's always loaded with talent. I, I, you know, I haven't gotten to closely watch these linebackers yet, some of these young linebackers that'll step into new positions and new starting roles, but... I'm curious to see them this year. They always have speed at that position and power. So I look at Florida and do I think they're going to win the conference or anything like that? Not necessarily, but I think like last year, they're going to play everyone tough and they might sneak out a couple wins that you probably didn't expect them to. But at the end of the day, if this team had a, a upper tier quarterback, we would talk about them in that Alabama yeah. and Georgia conversation. Yeah. They and were sorry, go ahead. I think even next year, maybe not this coming season, but next year, if they can get things going, I mean, if they have the running backs in place, Felipe Franks, yeah, I'm not sold on him, but maybe Emory Jones, only a redshirt freshman. He got the redshirt last year. I think that he could turn into something special. If Franks struggles early, he might be a guy that's a candidate to get replaced very early on in the season with Dan Mullen there who can scheme up an offense, especially for Jones and his athletic ability. And Jones's arm, which we saw in the spring game. It's t- they were a sneaky 10-3 and three last year, so they, mm-hmm. they are on the come up. Let's talk about overrated teams because that's sometimes as much fun as anything else. And- we just want to piss everybody off. We've made you happy talking great things about your team. Now let's piss now off some fan bases. it's time to be real. I'm taking the Auburn Tigers. I understand they have Nick Coe and Derek Brown, and that those two are just monsters. Like, I know. They're and good. They're really big good. Big Cat Bryant. <laughs> yeah, Don't right? forget him. Exactly. They have the all-name team here. But this is just not a good offense. You lose Jarrett Stidham, who they made Jarrett Stidham look bad. Mm-hmm. I, I just do not believe. Like, Gus Malzahn is supposed to be uh, uh, an offensive-minded guy. Where the hell was that last year? I don't think Joey Gatewood coming in as a redshirt freshman. I know he's going to be more of a runner. I just don't see it to where it's like, oh, damn, watch out for Auburn this year. They had those two D linemen last year and went 8-5. and five. I think Auburn is that one team, and I even said it earlier, it's like, oop, Alabama has to play Auburn. That shit don't matter anymore. Yeah, and I think with Auburn, I love Gus Malzahn. It might be time 
it might be time. He's a great offensive coach, but it might be time for a change of pace there with the coach. That message may be becoming a little bit stale in that locker room. So I do agree with you. Uh, Auburn fans, I think they want to hear that they're competing with Alabama, but I just don't think they are yet. And this next Can one, I ask you guys something real quick? Please. Auburn, Oregon is like the big opener. Mm-hmm. I have Auburn losing five games this upcoming year. I think Oregon kicks the shit out of them. Wow, I do not. I don't think they. I think Justin Herbert's going to shit his pants Ooh. against Nick Poe and Nick Coe and uh, Derek Brown. Oregon's offensive line might be the best in the country. Yeah, though. I love. I, that's, that's, that's a I'm good point. They are to. very good. I want to see the Oregon offensive line against that defensive line. I think it'll be a pretty close game, but I I do think Oregon wins. I guess we all three have different opinions there. <laughs> I I think Oregon. <laughs> I think Oregon stomps a mud hole in Auburn. We're yeah, like the good, I, the I bad, like and the ugly in the right, 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 showdown yeah. right now, staring at each other. All right, Melo, you're overrated team now that everyone in the state of Alabama. Or at least Southern Alabama hates me. Yeah, and I'm going to take some of the state of Texas too. Not even half of it, maybe one third of it. I think that this Texas A&M team is overrated. And I want to ask you guys and kind of double check this because I know as a Texas fan, I can get a little Homer-ish sometimes. I try not to, but I really just don't see what everybody's talking about. A lot of people have them um, in top 15 teams. I just, I don't like what I'm looking at when I see this roster. Jimbo Fisher, I don't know how much consistency. Obviously, we've talked about that Bleacher Report piece before on him. I don't know what he can do down there in College State. And I know that Texas A&M wants to be big brother to Texas and pretend like they're really competitive in the Big 12 or now in the SEC. I'm looking at their standings, their record performance for the last 20 years, 20. They have one 10 win season. They went 11 and two with great, Bob. Johnny Manziel. Oh, Other shit. than that, <laughs> they have nothing. You have to go back, back. 1998 was the second time they won 11 games. They were pretty decent in the 90s. Since 2000, they have not really accomplished anything at all except for one season when you had one really good quarterback. So I'm just not thrilled with what I'm seeing at A&M, and I think we continue to see this trend of 8-5, and 9-4 and four type seasons, and I don't think that the fan base is expecting that this year. Well, they play Week 2 at Clemson, so we're going to know real quick. So there's one loss right there. <laughs> yeah. We'll know early, and they close it at, at Georgia and at LSU. So, There's three losses. I'm with you. Like I think they're kind of fun to watch, but I just I don't really like Jimbo Fisher. Oof! I, good thing we're not going to College Station this year. <laughs> I don't think we made any new friends after that. But I, I'm with you guys as well. I really am. And this next one actually kind of breaks my heart because, as I always say on the show, I don't have a college football team. Uh, I just always joke about the Oklahoma thing, which is far from far from true. But I feel like if I had to root for one, especially in the SEC, it would be LSU. Especially the time we had there last year. But I do think LSU is kind of on the overrated list just because I don't know how this team's going to score a lot of points with the big dogs in this conference this year. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I look at it and the way they match up compared to these other powerhouse offenses, I think it's going to be tough for them. They always have stars on defense. You know how much we love them, whether it is this year, Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton. Those guys are absolute stars. They have talent on the defensive line, and we're going to talk about in a little bit as well. Once again, though, I just have concerns if they can get into shootouts and win, because when that happens, they they often can't. That's the problem. And Joe Burrow, Mm -hmm. I know he has a lot of fans still back at Ohio State and now some new fans at LSU. He's a nice player, uh, better at quarterback than what they've had for a while. I don't I do think he's very limited and I hope LSU has a great season. 
But I think if anyone thinks that they're going to be in that conversation once again with Georgia and Alabama, they're going to be a little disappointed. Hey, Connor. So week one uh, or first week of the tailgate tour, technically week two, who are you picking, LSU or Texas? Oh, <laughs> man. I, at, at home, I think Texas wins. Yeah, wait. I do. That's I know nice you've never hear. been to a game there. Just fucking wait. No, I can't wait. I can't. I absolutely can't wait. So, yeah, I think it'll, that'll be a tough trip for LSU. Really tough trip. I do too. And I like LSU a lot. Like you said, you kind of you want to root for him and I love coach O and what he's doing there. I have a lot of questions about that offense too. I Joe Burrow, even if he is like a nice quarterback, this is the SEC. Like you're going to play some damn good defenses and you're going to do it every week. It's not a, oh, I can take a little rest. I'm playing Kentucky. I mean, these teams no, have it's none of that. Yeah, very good teams week in, week out. They don't have much at all at running back. There's some skill at receiver. Offensive line's okay. I'm with you. I don't know how they uh, can score any points to stay with the big guys. Guys, let's run through some of the superlatives, some of the things to watch for the upcoming year in the SEC. SEC only. Heisman hopefuls. You know I'm going to take my man, Jerry the Giant Judy, as a Heisman hopeful, but... Don't I worry that evil on him. I worry that Tua will take votes from him because we've I, seen it before. Exactly. And I, I think you're right. And there's a reason why I'm not going to go with them. I don't want to just keep talking about Alabama all night. I do love Tua and Jerry Judy and what they can do. I would love to see this award go back to a running back, though. And that's why I'm going to highlight and steal Connor's guy, DeAndre Swift. He is looking more and more impressive every time I watch him. He looks like a shorter Saquon Barkley, and that's Ooh. that's a very high praise. The ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and his lateral movement is exceptional, but he also has the body, like 5'9", 215, to take on some of these tough guys in the SEC, truck them, run past them, whatever he has to do. I'm struggling to find a hole in DeAndre Swift's game yet, and that's why I think and I hope that this guy can be up there for the Heisman talk. Man, I'm with you. You want to talk about putting two special guys in a blender and you get Swift? You talk about Saquon and run CMC over there. He's really got a little bit of each of their games and what made them top 10 picks is running backs, which is absolutely crazy. So I, I hope for great things for Swift this year that he could cement that round one status. I went with a running back as well. And Najee Harris quietly averaged almost seven yards a carry last year. So it's not that he hasn't lived up to the hype. And it's not that he's not the superstar that was expected out of recruiting. He just needs a feature role. I mean, the guy ahead of him went in the first round last year and the other guy got drafted by the Patriots. So when it comes down to it for Najee, I think he's going to be really, really good in a featured role this year. Alabama running backs are kind of set up to win the Heisman Trophy very often. There's so much talent elsewhere on this team. We talk, Matt talked about Tua and Judy. Harris is going to have room to run. If he could show that he can catch the ball too, he's going to find himself firmly in that conversation. Now we flip it to my favorite Heisman conversation. It's <laughs> back, folks. Hashtag defense for Heisman. These are our impact guys. I'm going with Grant Delpit. He's my number one player on my board right now. I think he is the best overall player in the country. Obviously, in July, that is very fluid, but this guy can handle any role of the defense. So last year, Ed Oliver sat atop that board for a long time on defense for Heisman. Quinton Williams was in that conversation. This year for me, boys, I'm starting out with Grant Delpit. And he might not move off that board at all. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to make plays and do it in big games. We've already talked they open or tailgate tour opens with Texas LSU. He can make some plays there, get his name out there early. 
I'm going to go with a corner, and I absolutely love him. He's my number one corner. I don't know if I'm even going to change that. I, I really love his game. C.J. Henderson, he's my number seven overall player, number one corner out of Florida, 6'1", 192. I love his ball skills. This dude can turn and find the ball, whether it's catching it or just your traditional pass breakup. I really love his game. I think that he could put himself in position uh, with some maybe run after the interception return type yardage. I think that he could be up there for the Heisman if we're highlighting these hashtag defense for Heisman guys. Yeah, and I think here's the one thing I would love from the Stickies. When you see a defender just tearing shit up on Saturdays, hashtag him. Throw him up on Twitter. Hey, j- this dude, C.J. Henderson, just had three picks in the game. Hashtag defense for Heisman. We want to make this a thing. But I will remind you guys about the stick to football jinx, which is very, very real. Scary Talking about Grant real. Delpit, Sam Elger doesn't throw picks. So he's not getting one week one. That? I know that. He doesn't so. throw football. <laughs> Why would you do that? You should... <laughs> I just jinxed my own jinx. You can't unjinx a jinx. It doesn't. We'll you see what double happens. cursed them now. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Elgar will probably get hurt. God damn it. Okay, so you mine. Stop talking. Stop. Mel's going to slap me. So mine is Dylan <laughs> Moses. Know. Everyone knows I love this Alabama linebacker. I really wanted to pick a pass rusher uh, from this group uh, in the SEC, but I didn't see anyone you know like that Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, that type of talent where we're going to see somebody – Playing off the edge. I mean, I love Raekwon Davis. Uh, LeBron Ray at Alabama, very, very good as well as a junior. But those are like big dudes. You know, they're 6'5", 300 pounds. They're not going to be that athletic, elite outside player. Dylan Moses is Devin White all over again. But maybe better instincts headed into his junior year. So much bigger and thicker, too. That's the thing. He's huge. It's like... If you were 6'2", but built like Devin Bush, maybe. Like, I mean, he's just, he's built perfectly to play linebacker. Yeah, I I really like him, too, and what he can do. And these guys on defense, I think that they're really going to have to be impactful guys that get involved with, like, turnovers and things like that. So I love the three guys that we have here picked. Yeah, let's go breakout players. Here's the one edge rusher in the SEC that might be able to change my mind. That's Kalevon Chase on LSU. When we were down there last year, our guy Jacob Hester was like, hey, next year you got to come back because there's this dude. He looks like he could be a top 10 pick. And I know everyone down there believes that Chase on was poised to break out last year. Unfortunately, he gets hurt in camp. He should be back ready to go this year. And I loved his natural ability and what we saw from him. And, you know, not a ton of tape in 2017. But I think he could make himself. Uh, they were saying he could be the best pass, like stand-up pass rusher LSU's ever had. Yeah, it's I mean, like that's like if, with like Daniel Hunter. If Arden Key were healthy and motivated, I think that's what you can get with Chase on. I'm going to stay with LSU here for breakout players. We know what they have in the secondary, and I honestly think that DBU is probably LSU's until somebody else comes and takes it from them. We already talked about Grant Delp, but Christian Fulton's exceptional at corner. They have some other corners. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Jacoby Stevens. I love his athletic ability. He's even spent some time at receiver while at LSU. So I think the full-time move to safety, being able to play along Grant Delpit, that just seems like the perfect fit with his athletic ability and what he can do. I really think that people are going to key in so hard on Fulton and Delpit that Stevens is going to be able to roam over the top and make a lot of plays in the SEC. And I went with a a bit of a surprise pick here, somebody that the ball will not go his way very often, if at all. But Jedrick Wills on Alabama was quietly phenomenal last year at right tackle. But we were watching Jonah Williams, and while I'm watching Jonah Williams, I see one of the angriest football players on the field week after week (laughs) throwing people in the dirt, and I'm like, who is this motherfucker, dude? He is crazy. So 
It's exciting to see him being one of the two returning starters to that Alabama offensive line and some of the spotlight go to him. He's going to be blocking for Najee Harris, who we talked about, Tua, Judy. So while you're watching the football, sometimes take your eye off it and watch that guy in the offensive line because he is a bad dude entering his junior year. He's not really getting a lot of talk right now with this offensive line class, but he plays a bully style of football up front. Guys, one of the I think big reasons people listen to this podcast is not just for our sexy voices and quick wit, but it's because of our ability to scout, evaluate players. So what we want to do with each conference is give you some offensive and defensive players to scout guys to just throw on a watch list, really in no order. I'm going to start with the receivers. Obviously you have the Alabama crew of Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs and Waddle, whose first name I always forget. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Thank you. But it's not just about Alabama. Uh, in this conference. Uh, also, Devonta Smith is in there. So they actually have four receivers that you have to scout, which isn't fair. But there are some other guys as well. I know Connor's going to talk about one, but Lynn Bowden at Kentucky, a junior who has fairly good size. He's on the list. Uh, Brian Edwards at South Carolina. Marcus Callaway at Tennessee. Uh, Jeremiah Holloway at Georgia. This is a good wide receiver group. Yes, Alabama has probably the four best ones, but the rest of the conference is pretty stacked at wide receiver. So there will be a lot of time spent evaluating uh, the pass catchers in the conference, which is unexpected. When I started this, you know, nine years ago, you scouted running backs in the SEC. The fact that it's like now a, a passing with quarterbacks and receivers it is a very, it's a weird moment for me. Yeah. I mean, two of the top quarterbacks in the nation are right here in this league with Fromm and Tua, and obviously everybody knows about them. When you look at the running back position as well, I think the SEC still has a lot of the top running backs. DeAndre Swift, who's going to be at least a top three running back, possibly even number one. I just compared him to Saquon. This guy is special. He's going to lead the charge in the SEC. And then you also have some other guys. Najee Harris, going to be very exceptional. But then we also have... Uh, a guy that I think Connor's going to want to talk about, too, with Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. They've got Hell some yeah. really special guys there, too. Even with Riley Neal as a as a quarterback there, Vanderbilt looks like they can do some special things on offense. They really do. And, Matt, I, I love that you brought up Bowden on Kentucky because one, one crazy stat when I was researching him, he returned five punts last year, only five. Two went back for a touchdown. So <laughs> maybe let him return more. <laughs> maybe put him back there a little more. You could use him this year. So really fun player and mellow. Yes. Vanderbilt offense is Vanderbilt trio. Lipscomb at wide receiver. Obviously Pinkney at tight end, but Vaughn at running back. You have three players there that are going to be in the tops of their position groups. They really are. And I know Lipscomb gets kind of lost because of how good the underclassmen wide receivers are. But our guy Jim Nagy at the senior bowl He's got to be excited about potentially having this entire trio of offensive studs from Vandy and Mobile next year. Vaughn, from all everyone I could talk to, he was a surefire day two pick if he had declared because of the home run speed and ability. He went back to school. He feels like he can work his way into being a top 40 lock, and we'll see if he could do that on a program that is not expected to win a ton of games in the SEC. But the point is, if you're looking for scouting, it's not always about the best teams because some of these, you know, uh, teams lower down the board really, really have some players this year. They really do. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to come in over the top and be like, and those Vandy guys are all seniors. So they're going to be players that we should have a chance to evaluate a ton. Hopefully we get to see them in Mobile. On defense, guys, 
I'm going to take the DBs in the SEC. I mean, LSU's got a claim to DBU. I think Alabama, uh, they would say they do as well. But one of the best in the entire conference plays safety, and that's Richard LeCount at Georgia. Uh, 5'11", 190 is a little bit undersized, but he is a stud. He's a blast to watch. Yep. Brad Stewart at Florida, very, very good as well. Uh, so there's Jeremiah Denson at Auburn at free safety. There's a ton. And Lim Bowden, uh, as, excuse me, Lim Bowden's returnability uh, is fantastic, but the strong safeties, guys, it's, it's unreal. Grant Delpit, Xavier McKinney, there's just so much at the safety position. But then corner, I think if it wasn't for Akuda at Ohio State, C.J. Henderson would be one of the best corners that we've talked about in a long time. And then when you go to LSU, I think Fulton is better than Greedy was. I think he, he's up there, and I, I'll stay with the LSU defense too because if I'm taking linebackers here, they've got two very good linebackers, and that shouldn't shock anybody. Uh, obviously, they're replacing Devin White, but I think they've got the guys to do it. You're not going to have the impact that Devin White did, but Michael Divinity is going to be very good. You look at Jacob Phillips, who's probably going to be that star middle linebacker. I really like what they have there in the SEC. Then at Florida, David Reese is another guy who's going to step in, play probably more. I really like what he can do, and with this Florida defense, them coming back, and then obviously Dylan Moses at Alabama. He looks like a star, uh, maybe even a top 15 pick, something special, kind of like what we saw last year with Devin White and Devin Bush. And up front, some of the big uglies. You could start right at Auburn with Nick Coe. Derek Brown, who probably would have been a first-round pick last year, he decided to go back to school. I think Coe is more of an edge player that can really break out this year after some big flashes. Uh, big cap, you know, Bearcat Bryant or whatever it is. It's an amazing name. LSU has some players returning up front. So we, we talked so much about what Alabama and Georgia has and Florida has, but you can look at every single school in this conference, whether it is Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and find players in the trenches that'll play at the next level. So the SEC has kind of become home of the defensive lineman in terms of volume over the last couple of years, and, and I don't really think that's going to change this year. It is draft on draft time, and I have to admit, I'm doing this fasting thing, so I try not to eat very late, and it's it's like five thirty central time, so I'm almost I'm almost out of time, and I want a beer so bad, but I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, you I'll start to it. get a little, <laughs> little shaky, a little giddy once you yeah. start to get to the edge of that. I'm, time I'm a little sweaty. <laughs> I'll stay on my side of the table. <laughs> yeah. then. it's a little sweaty. I'm wearing a gray shirt. I'm glad we're not on camera yet. So, first question from Alex Hayes: If you could replace two teams from the SEC with two new teams from other conferences, who would you add and remove? He would add Florida State and Louisville and take out Vandy and Mizzou. So I like those two picks, but I think an obvious one, I'll even let you stay with Florida State. I think Clemson just seems like an I SEC agree. school. There are so many times, even looking through here when I was talking about linebackers earlier, I was like, oh, Isaiah Simmons. Except for the fact that Clemson is actually an ACC school. So I think you could just even swap the in-state guys. South Carolina, I'm sorry, you guys should be in the ACC. Bring Clemson over with the big dogs. Even keep them in the, you know, SEC East, just swap them out. I think that's one. Uh, if I'll keep rolling here. I think the obvious pick, though, outside of Clemson, you want to talk about two teams, it should be Texas and Oklahoma. Like you put those two teams in the SEC, no. pay them whatever the hell you want, but if they could get, if you're going to take two teams from the nation, those two are going to come together. Sorry, Oklahoma State, 
they would go right in with the SEC. You would get an Arkansas rivalry back. You would get Texas A&M back. It would work for both teams. What I was going to say is kick Texas A&M and Missouri out. They don't belong in the SEC. They're in the <laughs> middle of the fucking country. How is that South? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't make kick sense. Kick them out and put Florida State and Clemson in there. I'm fine with that. Or put Miami in there. The U and the SEC, be badass. Like, I mean, they already play Florida. Might as well. They already jump conferences. So. Right, exactly. Dude, the fact that Missouri is in the SEC East, is one of the most painful things to my brain. And if you're not familiar ever. with the University of Missouri, it is in the northern part of Missouri. Yeah. It's not even like the southern part close to Arkansas. They are right up there with you know the Nebraskas, the if Iowas. If you're above the Mason-Dixon line and west of Arkansas, you should not be in the SEC. They should be a Big Ten school. Yeah, or I Big 12. I think they're going to compete yeah, in the Big SEC, 12, but they, the they should not be in the SEC. Connor, uh, sorry, we get pretty heated about this. <laughs> stuff. No, it's okay. I, I like it, and I, I definitely see your points. I think my problem with this question, and it's a great question. It's more of just me having difficulty answering it. I don't want to add a Clemson because I like that they play each other in the playoff mm-hmm. because they're not in the same conference, yeah. but it does feel like Clemson is an SEC team, so it's very difficult FSU has not been good lately, and neither has Louisville, so you kind of look at it and go, okay, we could add them in. It'd be fun to have Florida and FSU in the same conference, and I I do agree there, Matt, that maybe Miami should be in with them too. So it's kind of tricky when you look at it because you don't want to build this conference. I I can't believe, though, you guys didn't say the obvious one because I know you hate that they're not in a conference, and that's Notre Dame. But it would make no sense for them to be in the SEC. Geographically, that gives me an ulcer. It's a nightmare, but they need to be in a conference. They do. <laughs> That's the problem. They should be in the Big Ten or the Big 15, whatever the fuck it they is. They should now. be in the Big Ten. They yeah. should be in the and Big Ten. And they play some ACC yeah. games. I want to go one more thing on this question before we move on. Uh, he says that he would add FSU and Louisville, and he would take out Vandy. Vandy's going to have a better season than both of those teams. Well, and Let's Vandy's go. in Nashville. You can't – like, Nashville is – the outside of Atlanta, Nashville's the heart of the SEC. you got to leave Vandy there. Yeah, I love Vandy. You know, I, King, I hope they do great things this year. I've always rooted for them. I mean, there's got to be someone better to kick out than Vandy. Uh, Kentucky? Uh, they need that for basketball. They were, I would say they were good last year. Yeah, yeah, they were. I think they'll have a fall off. South Carolina, South I would Carolina kick out. and Missouri. Uh, Missouri. Ouch you up. know, Ole Miss, I don't think that they could ever leave the SEC, but they really have never competed in the SEC. Arkansas, sorry guys, you're really close to us here in Chaplin, Missouri, but... I don't think you're Weren't competing they in the in old Southwest, like the Big Eight, Big Eight, yeah, yeah. Okay. or Southwest Conference. I don't remember yeah. which one. All right, second question: Andrew Harbaugh, our big buddy, which Alabama wide receiver prospect is the best in recent history? Julio, Cooper, Ridley, or Judy? Gosh, that's tough, but I think I have to go Julio. I do as well. I, actually. I think the same. The thing that separates him is his size. It's just the other guys are very similar. Judy's going to be special, but the size of Julio Jones. And the athletic ability coming out, I think, is going to put him ahead of the other guys. Yeah, he was really, I mean, truly special. Truly special. So I think when you look at it, God, Judy's going to be fascinating this year because he's got some of those special traits. Amari was was a star. I think if you stack it, for me right now, it'll go Julio, Judy, Amari, and then Ridley. I would agree. And I think so, too. They're all great. I think Julio and Ridley will be the best wide receiver duo in football this year. Ridley, I don't, uh, was is that a hot kinda, take? No, that I don't think so. The Browns are pretty good. 
Yeah, they are. But even like Ridley, I don't think Jarvis Landry is better than Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, I know people are gonna fucking shoot me for that. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. As a rookie, yeah, as a rookie, I, I'm with Melo. Like Julio's just so big. But Judy, I think Judy ends up faster. I mean, Julio ran like a four three nine at six three two twenty. I always say this: they're almost different receivers. Yeah, they, I mean they you know, really like you are. You have your oversized post up guys, then you have your route runners. To me, I'm going to say it until I choke on my tongue. Judy is Odell. Yeah, I think that's so just too. who he is. Let's not overthink it. It's pretty simple. So, Ollie, just O L I. I like that. Short and to the point. Is the LSU secondary the best in college football this year? And can the Tigers topple the tide? You cannot beat Alabama. No. No. I think they can if it were. It would take a lot going on, but I don't think that they will topple them. If you look at the top like secondaries in the nation, obviously LSU is always going to be up there. And what they have, we've already talked about three of their guys this year. I think that they might be, but I... Just let me tell you, it's Ohio State. I think it's LSU. I, I think it's I Ohio like their State. depth. I like Fulton. I like Vinson. Uh, Kelvin Joseph is another name. Derek Stingley, Stingley Jr., I think he's going to be the next. After Fulton, he will be the next corner. I think the LSU has the best secondary. I do, too. I really think they do, but I don't think they could score enough points to beat Alabama. No. That's the issue. <laughs> they they That's can't. It. You, can't ask, you can't ask Grant Delpa and Christian Fulton to score the points, too. That's the issue. We just talked about uh, Alabama has four receivers. Like you, yeah. That's two guys. Yeah. And Alabama might have like the case for the second best secondary with all the guys that they have. Yeah. Diggs, Sertan, McKinney yeah. at safety. Like, that's a very special team. Whether I know Clemson this is, and Alabama. I know this is SEC show, but Ohio State has the best corner in Jeffrey Akuda. Jordan Fuller is a very good safety. Sean Wade and Damon Arnett are very good number two, number three corners. I just don't rule out the Buckeyes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I would agree. I actually, I have them on my breakdown of that college football preview I did. I have them LSU, Alabama, Florida, and Ohio State. But I actually, if I revisited that, I would probably put Ohio State third. Just update it and then say, hey, I updated my breakdown. Send me $10 for school supplies and get a new one. Dakota, right now. Yeah, Dakota Cox. Is it safe to say that Tua and Fromm are the two best quarterbacks in the conference? Or I'm sorry, it is safe to say that. Who's your pick for third best college quarterback in the SEC, but not as a draft prospect? So not as a prospect, I'll take Kelly I'll take Kelly Bryant. I almost said Kellen Mond. So, ah, I'll take <laughs> yeah, Kelly I Bryant. That's where you were going. Yeah, I was like, I'm taking whoa, Kelly yeah, Bryant. Say it. I dare you. No. Nope. Um, no. Just as a college football okay, player. Okay, not as a college as a college football player, not a prospect. I like the Kelly Bryant pick. I can't say Felipe Franks. I'm trying to run through. I don't think it's Kellen Mond. It's not Riley. Gosh, there's some bad quarterback play in the SEC. Yes, there is. I would have to agree with you and probably say Kelly Bryant. With what that offense is going to do this year, having Roundtree to hand the ball off to, I think he's a 1,200-yard back. Having Albert O at tight end, as I I mean, do everything. He can hit the seam. He's going to be a red zone target. I think that it's probably going to be Kelly Bryant. I think it's – I guess it would be Jake Bentley. Oh, right now. that's another God. Name. He's alive yeah. still. Yeah, he is. He's alive. He is such a um, tease. <laughs> it feels like he. It feels like he's been there. We're going on like a JT Barrett thing, and I know right. that's not the case. I just have that feeling with him. I remember last summer Bentley. people thinking Jake Bentley was going to be a first round. Everybody, that's oh, like yeah. the hot name. It's like Jordan Love this year. Everybody was talking about Jake Bentley. Yeah. No. Well, I'm a sucker again. No, yeah. Just kidding. I don't. I don't even think he's that good. But yeah, that would be my. That would be my pick. No, so. Joe Burrow. This next. Yeah. No. No, Joe Burrow. Uh, sorry, Joe Burrow. Yeah, this next one so. from Jeremy Gauden. 
What would you say is Alabama's biggest strength and biggest weakness going into the 2019 season? I think the biggest weakness is the injury questions at the edge rusher position because Lewis and Jennings have both been hurt so much. So that's that's the key for me. Um, they're going to be fine up front on both sides of the ball. That's just what they do. So health is probably the biggest weakness. I, the strength is that, I mean, they're four deep at wide receiver. And I mm-hmm. think any of those other guys, Ruggs, Waddle, Smith, would be a number one at almost every other school. Yeah, and I'm not saying that this is an actual weakness, but on the Alabama side of things, I think that maybe their defensive line, you look at that health, LeBron Ray's, they're still very fucking good. Like, they don't have a weakness. The weakest part might be the interior. They've got some turnover on the offensive line. They're still going to just fucking roll over everybody. They don't have a weakness, but maybe on the interior. And their strength, I think, is obviously the receivers. Yeah, I think I think their only weakness is if Tua gets hurt again. Honestly, not a Mac Jones. They're that loaded. They're that loaded. Yeah. No. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) I I think that's really it. Now, the second weakness is that Clemson is also back for the 2019 college football season. Holy shit, are they fucked? Their biggest weakness is Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah, for real. And Justin Ross. That connection. (laughs) Right. That cat. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence to Justin Ross is their biggest. Their biggest thing they need to worry about. Start planning that now. Their biggest strength is just that. Their offense can beat you in a legitimate seven different ways. That's rare in college football to have that many kind of guys in the backfield, that wide receiver, at tight end, that quarterback. It's just rare. I will never forget uh, a couple of years ago, within the last five years, telling Mello, could you imagine if Alabama had an offense? It's like they, they couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they haven't lost a lot, uh, that Clemson game. Last question from RB. If you guys were running the NCAA, what would be the three things you would change about regulations to start out? Also pick something other than paying players for their services. If I were running the NCAA, I would burn the office down and like somehow make it to where we could never be reinvented. Yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible organization. I hate everything about them. I would start with the transfer rule. I like what they did with the transfer portal, and now it seems like they're trying to come back off of it. But I like it. I think everybody should get a one-time transfer. And I I really think that eventually they will realize this and actually get it done. The coaches are talking about it. We've been talking about it for about a year now. Let these kids have one transfer anywhere they want. And then after that, you can start to lose your eligibility or sit out some years. Yeah, I, man, it's it's crazy. We go through this one. Doesn't it feel like we go through this a lot? Yeah, this question. I have an actual real one because I, my first one, while I do agree with that, was not real. I wish the NCAA would come together, and I know the the conferences would have to agree to this, but it's possible. And give us a package like Game Pass for the NFL. Let me pay my 100 bucks a year. Give me the goddamn game film. If Bill Belichick yeah. is okay with me having game film Tuesday morning, you should be too, Toledo. I mean, come on. This is horse shit. How is it almost 2020, and I still have to beg, borrow, and steal game film for college? College, not the NFL. Yeah, and people do ask us all the time, like, oh, where do you watch the film? A lot of times it's on YouTube. (laughs) You just have to go back through and watch the games and piece it together. It it is pretty shitty how we have to get film. It's almost like they don't want... There's a belief, I think, that the league... I heard the league hates Game Pass, that the fans have game film. Because the the staffs don't like that the fan can criticize things from the coach's film lens. They said that shit when the NFL started it, too. It was like, well, coaches don't want... That's what I mean. That's the NFL's belief. Yeah, that's so which is just stupid. bullshit. I would rather have an educated fan base mad about something than an uneducated fan base mad about something, right? Like at least I think that's like, a fair take. 
why limit the amount? This is a whole nother rant. Why limit the amount that people can consume your product? Yeah, I mean, you're why? getting it on Sundays or Saturdays. Why not let your fans get it well, on like, Tuesday or Wednesday us, as well? Like, if I like recorded some shit on my phone and put it on Instagram, I would get a cease and desist from the NCAA. You don't have a right to share that clip. Okay, so I'm sorry you don't want my 218,000 Twitter followers to love college football more. Yeah, everything about the NCAA is pretty much off. I was in a good mood until that question. Yeah, should have started yeah, the show. Talk with about it. closing Jeez. the show on a bad right. note. <laughs> on a good note, we'll be back Wednesday morning breaking down more college football. The B1G is getting break it, breaking down, broken, broken. down. Broken down. Uh, it's going to be fun. I need to eat. The fat, My brain is being metabolized right now. So that's why the show is ending the way it is. But uh, we will be back Wednesday morning. Look forward to talking to you guys. Follow us at Six Football on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to this show. It makes our bosses happy. Tell all your friends about it. And come see us on the Tailgate Tour. From Melo O'Connor, we'll talk to you all real soon. 